Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this week, and we do reviews for them. Ah, oh, I was doing views. I was oh. just, just that oh. first view. Yeah, Pete was doing previews. Yeah. Was, that's Here's another the, type of thing. That's where you look at the cover and are like, ah, I think I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Like they always say, judge a book by the cover. And I think you can judge our first book by the cover, Wonder Girl number 1 from DC Comics by Joel Jones, because it's a gorgeous cover, and this is also a gorgeous comic book. Judged. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. And- <laughs> Shang-Chi number 1. Gorgeous no. cover, gorgeous book. Rage of the Divide, number one. <laughs> Judged. Okay, uh, let's go back to Wonder Girl. Uh, this yeah. is actually a prequel to the Future State story. It's taking place in the current continuity. Uh, so we're getting to see Wonder Girl before she was Wonder Woman, like she was in there, uh, which honestly took me a little bit of mental adjustment to get used to. Yeah. But yeah. still, very good story, very good characters, and I like this quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. Like, I really love the art. Um, the stuff before was hitting a little bit, but I don't mind building to that, like get everybody on board. Uh, but yeah, I really love this character's design. This is, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the art really kind of like uh, sets up a great world that, uh, kind of, I feel like is, is a great world for this character. I'm having a lot of fun with it. So pl- more please. I agree. Um, I really like this. It is a little weird, and I don't know how they're going to sort of complete this balancing act of the continuity. Um, Because in the Wonder Woman title, it feels like she's sort of journeying back toward being Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And then we have have this title where we have uh, Wonder Girl. What's her sort of move? How long is she going to be in this space before she moves into the next space? Um, So all that continuity thinking aside... Beautiful art, fun story. I think she's such a fun character um, and brings a great energy to to the Wonder Woman uh, mythology. I agree. Next up, Shang-Chi, number one from Marvel, written by Jean Lun-Yang, art by yes. Dyke Ruan. This is spinning off of, I guess there was a one-shot with Shang-Chi where he took uh. over his father's old terrorist slash crime organization. And in here he is going to be going up against the Marvel universe, starting with Spider-Man in this issue. Uh, super fun. I mean, Gene Lung Yang, always just a great writer. And I had a blast reading this. Just the, the relationship here between um, Shang-Chi and his, uh, his sister, and his sister is great. Like they, uh, they're fun. Spider-Man in here as sort of the uh, butt of a lot of the jokes is great. And yeah. I like the premise that he's going to be fighting. Uh, he and his sister are going to fight everyone, all the big heroes in the Marvel Universe is great. Yeah, I agree. It kind of, uh, you know, reminds me a little bit of, you know, Punisher versus the Marvel Universe type of thing. But uh, uh-huh. 
I really like this setup. I really like the the kind of the start of their uh, Spider-Man and uh, Shang-Chi's relationship. So, like, I think it's uh, a great first issue, a lot of action, amazing art, uh, love the relationship stuff uh, with the brother-sister. So, yeah, completely on board. Can't wait for the freaking movie! Uh, I love there's this idea that there's uh, the Yaren root that you put on your hands or different parts of your body and you get animal hands, uh, which is cool. That's and real. Also, that's real, obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, I've been digging it up for Yaren. Uh, it's very expensive at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, the, uh, but I also love the reference to Spider Island, where if you remember, uh, Shang-Chi came in and, and taught Spidey how to... Uh, he lost his spider sense and he had to sort of learn how to be a hero without having that yeah. sense that really guides most of his actions. Yeah, and it was cool because there was that line of like, what's your spider sensei? And I was like, nice. Yeah, that's a burn. He that's knows. a great burn. Yeah, it's a sick burn. Next up, Rangers of the Divide, number one from Dark Horse Comics by Megan Huang. This is a new mythology. I briefly thought it was another one of Dark Horse's video game adaptations just based on the title and the cover. So don't judge a book by a cover in this case. Okay. But this is, as you can kind of surmised by the cover about a bunch of dragon riders that get embroiled in a monster fight. They're all in training. I really like the art in here in particular. I thought it was very reminiscent of Avatar and things like that, Mm. um, which I thought was really good. The story took a little while to get going, but once it did, I'm into the idea of this team of dragon riders. What did you guys think? Yeah, I I agree. I really like the the brightness of the art. It really stands out. Um, it's a uh, the dragons are fantastic. Uh, you know, a lot of human talking, but a lot of great dragon fights and stuff like that. So that was enjoyable. Uh, I'm going to yeah. start using that in reviews from now on. Eh, too much human talking. Uh, yeah, I was listening but, to this uh, podcast. I was listening to this podcast. It was so much. It was almost all human talking. Oh, <laughs> uh, boo. Good thing you got dogs barking in the background. That really helps us out. That's right. I bring it. I yeah. try to bring in the entire animal kingdom uh, when I, I'm doing my like recording. A modern day Dr. Doolittle. That's oh, true. Boy. Please, dog, bark more. Bugs, come to me. Uh, I. Uh, I feel like this book is sort of halfway between um, How to Train Your Dragon and mm-hmm. Game of Thrones is what oh. uh, the vibe I was catching. Okay. If you're a fan of either of those uh, worlds. And then the art was reminiscent to me of the Luna Brothers. Uh, oh. Good call. Good call. And, and girls back in the day. Um, so those are references that you can take right to the bank. Wow. There you go. Let's move on. Talk about home number two from image comics written by Julio Anta art by Anna Wysik. Now this is a book that blew us away in the first issue. It was about a young kid who is taken to the border, put into holding by the U S government, separated from his mom. Very heartbreaking. And then the twist at the end is that he has superpowers and he breaks out. That's where we pick up in this issue. We find out a little bit more of the mythology of this world, as well as still dealing very much with the reality of being an illegal immigrant in America. Uh, And also, just a little note, Julio Anta is actually going to be on our live show in a couple of weeks, so I'm very excited to chat about this. Oh, nice. Yes. But what what did you guys think? Did it hold up from issue one to issue two? Yeah, I like this a lot. I feel like um, the book is written to really – 
the characters, even the smaller characters, the woman who's running the the restaurant, um, yeah, that uh, that the kid walks into is like just a really everyone's really believable. It's really really good. Uh, the art is is different and feels like it matches the story really well. And it reminded me of like the the way that the X Men X Men metaphor has been sort of shifted over the years about being an outsider. Mm-hmm. This feels like a very modern iteration of that and using superpowers to empower people who are on uh, on the outside of uh of the mainstream and really really telling that story through that lens is is great i thought this is a great read yeah i agree also aunt gladys is a boss uh showing up to you know uh really help things out really was worried about that kid in the fucking mall just running around i was like oh man this is just giving me a heart attack uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I really, uh, think that this is a very mu- moving, uh, beautiful comic and, uh, yeah, I think it's, um, I'm very excited for it. I hope, uh, can't wait to read more. Whether it's a grandmother or an aunt or any older female relative, Pete is there for it. Oh, yes. Don't try to fucking pigeonhole me, bro. It's not a pigeonhole. That's a, you're a, a total golden girl fan. <laughs> fucking come on. You're goddamn right. Yeah, no, this is no judgment. This is no judgment zone, Pete. Yeah, I would never try to pigeonhole you with older ladies. That's what you try to do. <laughs> oh, boy. Nightwing <laughs> number 80 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. This book has been so good, and I can't believe how good it's been. been. Uh, but I want to throw something out to you guys that really struck me with this issue. So Nightwing has suddenly become rich because he has been given a lot of money by Alfred, who uh, passed away. And he is trying to make things right in Bloodhaven, but at the same time, of course, there are terrible things happening. There's a guy going around stealing people's hearts. Uh, oh. He is teaming up with Barbara Gordon in this issue who just cannot get out of Bloodhaven to save her life. This, to me, is Tom Taylor's take on Hawkeye, Matt Fraction and Ooh. David Aja's Hawkeye, but competent. Whoa. Whoa. That's a great Shots take. fired? And I'll tell you why. No, I, in a good way, I think. Okay. I had that same thought in the sequence where he's putting the staff together to hand mm-hmm. to oh, Tim yeah. Drake. And not just like, hand, he throws it to the middle of a fight. It's not like it's, you know. Yeah, he uses his hand. When I throw something, I'm saying I'm handing it. Oh, wow. Like okay. a lot of <laughs> great baseball pitchers are handing the ball to the batter. Or ideally, the, the, ideally, the catcher. That's Here you go. Here you go. Good luck. Good luck grabbing it as I hand it to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, I, yeah, I wish you wouldn't undercut the action of that moment because I thought it was a really fantastic <laughs> moment. But go ahead with your, your view. Mine is a view. And uh, I, I love this book. This was my pick. Um, I picked this. Was it? Um, I think this is this. We're back to some primetime Dick Grayson. We've had some wanderings in the last couple of years. We had a Rick Grayson. We had just some a uh, little bit of confusion. Um, and this is great stuff. Uh, we get Tim Drake in here. The Barbara Gordon relationship is exciting and and happening again. It's all uh, feeling really good. Just real quick, you coming to us live from a roller rink? What's going on over by you there? No, someone's vacuuming upstairs. Okay, and there's a, cool. also there. It, just it seems like they're vacuuming. Know what's going on because it, it seems a, a little like a, it seems like they're vacuuming with a baby, like or maybe a baby's <laughs> yeah. vacuuming. So I don't know exactly what's happening, but it's hard to tell. I, I live in New York City, so a flavor of the city. It's good. It's cool, man. I just wanted to. And just to mention, I am coming live from a roller rink. 
All right, cool, cool. But it's closed down because of COVID. Oh, well, hopefully we'll open up soon. Okay, so first up. Thanks, de Blasio. They say that the COVID really sticks to the skates and just flies out (laughs) from the... Like yeah, sparks. CDC said that, right? See new CDC yeah. guidelines. Yeah, it will let you skates. do anything but roller skate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do, whatever you do, don't eat the skate sparks. Yeah. Uh, CDC says uh, keep this much distance between you when you're skating and no holding hands. Okay, all right. Yeah, <laughs> couple skate only. Let's fucking move on. So this is a fantastic uh, comic. I agree. Uh, it's really, really enjoyable, and the kind of bad guy character reveal is fantastic. Um, and uh, very scary. I'm very interested to see how this all works out. I like all the little relationship moments we had in this issue. Um, yeah, I, this is just a lot of fun. The art is absolutely fantastic. Next I got to I got to hand ahead. it to you, Pete. Great review. Fantastic Four Life Story number one from Marvel, written by Mark Russell, art by Sean Isaacs. This is a rare serious turn from Mark Russell, which I was very surprised by. It's also following up on Chip Zdarsky, I believe, did Spider-Man Life Story. Yeah. Which sets the characters in their original time period, and then each issue follows them to a different decade as they get older in real time. So this is, of course, kicking off with the Fantastic Four origin, but it's a very different riff on it. Still a very good story, but I kept waiting for the satirical turn because that's what we always get from Mark Russell, and it never came. Well, but let me say, like, I, I hear you. I definitely expected there to be more of a, like, arch take. Uh, but I do think what Mark Russell's talents were used for on this issue were just great, snappy dialogue. Dialogue that really moved and mm-hmm. really conveyed a lot in a very short period of time. Um, I like the new take on the origin. I like the way Galactus is used. Um, I like that we don't have to have a classic Doom situation here. Um, we have a different character who is uh, the villain and a villain. And the Ben Grimm stuff was great in this. All right. Here we go. So I, <laughs> well, I Pete had a hard woke time. Up, Pete just woke up from a micro nap and he said. Yeah, I, I, had a hard, I had a hard time with this comic. Uh, Reed Richards this is a real. Got no ads, no grandmas, no older female relatives of any kind. And it uh, was bad. What what voice are you doing there? Anyways, I I, <laughs> I really uh, I had a hard time with Reed Richards being a complete asshole. Uh, and what? He's a complete asshole all the yeah, time. Yeah, I don't like it. It's one of the things that I don't like about Reed Richards. But he's not more of an asshole in this issue. If anything, Ben Grimm is being way hey, more of an asshole. Hey, you watch your mouth. Don't you fucking put this on Ben Grimm. That guy got turned into a rock. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what that's like. <laughs> mm-hmm. You don't know what that's going to do to you. I've Everybody been else a rock. Everyone else gets to walk around fine, but he's got to walk around as the rock. So, like, you know. I mean, if I had to walk around as the rock, I'd feel great. He's doing amazing. He's got a sitcom on NBC as presidential ambitions. He's doing awesome. What are you even talking about? Pete. That's not the rock I was talking about, you <laughs> fucking piece of shit. I was so mad. Was I mean, Ben Grimm does betray the Fantastic Four, and it gets them into sort of a problematic place. Ben Grimm is a saint. Don't fucking talk shit about fucking Ben Grimm. Well, if you want to talk about Saints, there's some problems there, too. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh, wow. Way to take it there. I think we really yeah. got to the heart of Pete's uh, preview. <laughs> uh, this is very well done. Sean Isaac's art is very the good. The art I'm, is phenomenal. 
I'm really looking forward to the second issue. I feel like that's where these series potentially really start to sing is when they start to move farther afield from the main continuity. We always get that in this first issue, but it's going to stretch even farther in issue two. So I'm very Let me excited ask you, to check Before you move on, uh, a yeah. question. Um, why does Galactus have teeth? He doesn't actually chew planets, hmm. right? He he just, well, he because he, he just... used to be a humanoid. Before. Yeah, he used to have teeth, and then he kind of like when you're eating the planets, it so, ruins your so teeth. So wait, he's just <laughs> keeping up his teeth. It's the chocolate center that gets to your teeth eventually. No, he was a humanoid. Uh, of course, Galen. He, I think his wasn't his name Galen. Galen. Yeah, he gets in a spaceship. He uh, travels through the Big Bang, ends up in the new universe, uh, and then he puts on a funny hat and he eats planets. But don't, don't you think, let's say you never use your teeth. That's how Stanley pitched it. I 100% guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had I it all figured out. No. He puts on a funny hat and he eats planets. Go, <laughs> Kirby. <laughs> uh, but don't you think, like, put yourself in Galactus's position. You sure, use sure, teeth. Sure. You use I your teeth do. for a long time. Yep. Yeah. Use your teeth for a long time. You get to be a giant uh, god being. Right, right, um, big right, right. celestial level <laughs> character. Sure, sure, um, sure, you sure, don't yeah. use your teeth to eat anymore. Mm-hmm. You still flossing? You're brushing? Because his is teeth your, are beautiful. Is your first move when you become some sort of godlike being like, well, get rid of these bone things in my mouth? No I'm thanks. just saying, I might, I might not take care of. It. I'm just saying he has perfect teeth. It yeah. feels like Maybe he let him go because it's bit. involved in talking as well. Like otherwise, you kind of talk like this. I'm Galactus. I feel like he doesn't. It's not like people are like, oh, speak up, no enunciate. Teeth. I think he just sort of broadcasts noise. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's a vanity thing where he's like, I don't want people to know that I'm a very old man. So I'm going to You think he's teeth. asking the Silver Surfer to like, hey, uh, could you power cosmic up my teeth, bro? <laughs> Get in there and clean them up. Yeah, I, got a, I got a little bit of planet the Silver Flosser. Nice. Maybe that's why Fire Lord's staff was like that. It was meant to just like a big toothpick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one hundred percent, absolutely. Terex's axe was just in there <laughs> cleaning up the guns. <laughs> that's why they all have weapons. The surfboard is uh, also forgetting surfboard. between. It's basically it's a, it's a tongue depressor. It's a tongue depressor. <laughs> the, the silver tongue depressor. Oh, oh man, this God. is all making sense. Radiant Black, number four from Image Comics, written by Kyle Higgins, art by Marcelo Costa. We've talked about this book quite a bit, or at least for three months, that it's a superhero tale in the style of Invincible. Maybe the main character's a little bit older. He's this failed writer who gets these weird superpowers. There is a huge... Huge twist at the end of this issue. Yeah, that is, I I can't imagine they're not going to reverse it in some way. But I I love this book already, and I love that they're just taking huge swings for issues in. It's great. And you're talking about the fact that everybody in this comic loves the movie Out of Sight. That's what uh, that is the huge twist that I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Because oh. as we all know, everybody hates that movie. What are you talking about, Pete? No, it's great. I, it's a great a f- movie. That's what I'm fucking saying. That's, not, that's a not a twist. Pete, are you confusing? Uh, <laughs> wow, really silenced. Oh, he took another micro nap. <laughs> Pete, when you get a, a twist um, when you order from like an ice cream truck, it means there's a surprise with every lick. <laughs> that's what that's what the twist is. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I always I don't, go to the uh, up to the ice cream truck and say, "Hey, can I get the thing with it? Uh, gives me a surprise with every lick." And he's like, "Give me a twist, sir." <laughs> Here you go. Yeah, at, I only get ice cream from the M. Night Shyamalan ice cream truck. <laughs> nice. Smart. <laughs> oh, I was going to give you one of those straight ice creams. <laughs> one of those piles. 
I ordered a twist, and you gave me just a handful of garbage. <laughs> I, 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 that's I, a twist. I didn't know everybody <laughs> loved Out of Sight. I thought I would appreciated all the love that that movie got in this comic. Oh, no, everybody loves that movie. Oh, okay. Uh, back on Radiant Black a little bit, if I may. Uh, the, uh, let's uh, keep talking about this nonsense. Don Cheadle in Out of Sight is fucking fantastic. What are you? Where are you now even? Um, I, I mean, the surprise at the end was great. And it really, I'm, I'm surprised by this book, the way they're really moving quickly. The last issue was wildly different than this issue. And we get this twist. I think we're going to end up with an Sam Beckett Al situation. Ooh, that's my predict. Love it. I'm, of course, speaking of Quantum Leap. Yes, everybody knows what you're talking about. Uh, That is great. I love that idea. I love this book. Definitely pick it up. This feels like a big thing to get on board with. Pete, were you going to say something non-out-of-sight related? Ah, I wasn't. I was going to try to steer it back more towards (laughs) J-Lo and out-of-sight because it's a... I mean, you want to talk about, uh, you know, some fun rom-com moments there back and forth. It's just really great. I don't think we wanted to talk about that. Catwoman number 31 from DC Comics, written by Rab V, art by Fernando Blanco. Another great book from DC Comics that has been awesome the past couple of issues as Catwoman is taking on some new evils in Gotham City while she's on a break from Batman. This (laughs) gorgeous book, just like Nightwing, I think the way that Fernando Blanco is laying things out is creative and exciting and propulsive. And Rab V's storytelling is really good as well, and he's writing a really good Catwoman. This is a very fun issue. I think it's a day. Uh, uh, I really think that the, the not only is the, uh, the Catwoman kind of stuff and also the cat and bat references kind of heartbreaking a little bit, but I love this Ivy as well. Um, it's really like, uh, I'm very intrigued by everything going on. I really am excited about like a kind of new Ivy moving forward. Also, the steampunk uh, father thing at the end was a little crazy, but this comic is absolutely beautiful and uh, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. The um, the Ocean's Eleven esque uh, description that Catwoman does of her um, her crime, her or her what she did to get. Poison Ivy out of there was great. Very Soderbergh. Um, and uh, the introduction of the newer characters at the end, I thought were, was, were great as well. Like uh, Ram V killing it. Absolutely. Uh, the next issue that I want to talk about is honestly really personal to me, actually. Whoa. Really? Well, like what, uh, what are you talking wait, about? Wait, wait, let me it's, guess. It's ba- the Batman. It's the Batman. issue of shaving. And manscaping, to be more specific. Oh, Alex, God. please get more specific if well, you possibly can. Uh, I definitely will. Happening? The engineering team over at Manscaped, they're like the Avengers of pubic hair, which... <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the Avengers are already the Avengers of pubic hair, I think, in yeah, my opinion. You've said that since the movie, the first movie came out, that you've said that. Yeah. I, I definitely did. I came out of uh, seeing the Avengers and I was like, that was a groin right there. They have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer and it's now available for purchase in the USA and Canada. 
Yeah, right. Manscaped. Me and two million of the my closest male friends uh, worldwide trust Manscaped, and we've got this exclusive offer for you: twenty percent off, uh, free worldwide shipping, and use the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. I got mine in the mail, and this thing is is very cool. I've long thought it's high time for me to start manscaping, and now I'm ready to become. I also the- have thought that. Not to interrupt. About me or about you? About you. Oh, yeah. It's true. We've been talking Uh, about it a lot. I know, especially during pandemic when we have um, (laughs) both our Zoom for our faces and our crotch Zooms. (laughs) We operate separately. Uh, I'm ready to become the butler of my own personal Wayne Manor. um, If you know what I'm talking about. This thing has a (laughs) surround. I'm talking about Alfred. And Alfred needs to Your butler died, right? (laughs) Tragically. (laughs) He left a lot of money to the Manscaped. (laughs) <laughs> to the manscaper, um, the uh, this thing has a the butler did it, and by did it I meant really cleaned up down there. <laughs> this uh, thing has a ceramic blade, skin safe technology, and yes. a four thousand K LED spotlight, different guard lengths to customize uh, my trim. It's waterproof, so I can stand erotically at a Central Park fountain and use it, which is something <laughs> that now that the CDC has approved. Mask off, I can do once again. Not my favorite image. I went to Central Park the other day and I used the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, and everybody said, Wow, that is a really beautiful and safe shave. Well, look at that cherub. Is that a statue? Oh, no, it's Alex Zalbin doing his classic Sunday routine. Yeah, (laughs) classic ball shaving in the park. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I, we we got this product shipped to us. I used it. I do think it is great. Check it out if you're looking for that uh, nice clean package that Justin always says is important. Uh, I always <laughs> do. Uh, get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. This program is brought to you by the Hulu original series, MODOK. I can't stop talking about this show. It's the craziest, funniest, and wildest thing I've seen in a long time. MODOK is a supervillain voiced by the incredible Patton Oswalt. Oh yeah, did I mention MODOK stands for Mental Organism Designed Only for Killing? For MODOK, the only thing harder than ruling the planet is running a family. Get ready to discover that not all villains are super. This show has an amazing cast, with Patton as MODOK, along with Amy Garcia, Ben Schwartz, Melissa Fumero, Wendy McClendon-Covey, Beck Bennett, John Daly, Sam Richardson, and celebrity cameos as some of your favorite Marvel heroes. Marvel's MODOK, series premiere, May 21st, only on Hulu. And now it's time to talk about The Immortal Hulk, Time of Monsters, number one from Marvel, written by Alex Pactadel and Al Ewing and David Vaughn, art by Juan Ferreira and Kevin Nolan. This is another one-shot showing another part of this massive mythology that Al Ewing has been creating for the Hulk. Here we go back to, I don't know, like 10,000 BC or something like that, to look at the dawn of man as they get their own. Alex, it's 9,500 BC. Oh, I'm so sorry. How dare you just well, erase be, the 500? I'll be turning in my comic review card now. Uh, <laughs> the This book is great. Uh, I love this story. He has been building this wild, insane thing that did not start with Bruce Banner, but clearly goes way, way, way back. 
Uh, I am, we've talked about this before on the podcast. I am so curious if the one below, the guy behind the green door who's pulling all the strings here, is somebody we know from history, and I don't know who it is, but I just kept thinking about that reading this issue where it just feels like it it has to be somebody, right? Like somebody connected to the Hulk or mythology or it's something. The, no, no, it's different. It's going to be the it's going to be the Jolly Green Giant. That's mm-hmm. what it's going to be. The original Hulk. Yeah. Uh, the original rage driven Hulk. Jolly. That's bullshit. That's <laughs> what the that's the real history. Is that guy's <laughs> ain't the angry green giant? Uh, but speaking of history, this comic, uh, when it started, I kind of forgot what I was reading for a little bit. Uh, but the art is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I'm, I, I very much enjoyed the kind of monster aspect of, of what we got here in this. Um, I, it gets really creepy, but fantastic. And uh, yeah, and then the kind of movie kind of uh, backup part, I guess, of it later was really very interesting. I was a little worried. I was like, hey, Marvel, you're using a Scarecrow character very similar to DC's. Is that legal? Uh, But I very much enjoyed what was happening. It's not. Marvel was arrested. Oh, I thought so. (laughs) Because it's basically Scarecrow, and they say Scarecrow, and he's talking Mm -hmm. about other people's nightmares. I'm like, how much closer can you get here? Corporations are people, and they threw this whole corporation right into one prison (laughs) cell, into the drunk tank. Um, I, I like this book a lot as well. I agree. The mythology that's being fleshed out here is, uh, is great. It's huge. I mean, we've seen Hulk at the end of all of time and then we're getting it, getting different aspects throughout, um, history going backwards to your point, Alex. I mean, how can it be anyone but Bruce at the center of this? Mm, interesting. Like, mm. he, I feel like if the Genesis of the Hulk, when that gamma bomb went off, uh, if if that is the fixed point, then I feel like we're seeing like Big Bang style, the green door opening uh, mm-hmm. forwards and backwards in time. And I, I it ha- if it's someone else, doesn't that sort of ruin the Hulk? If there's someone else, well, to blame? if they do do the Big Bang theory, it would be fun if it was Bazinga the whole time. <laughs> Bazinga is you're saying is the name of the main character. That's Jim, yeah, exactly. Jim Parsons character is named Bazinga, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I've oh, never one seen of my favorite show. shows is Young Bazinga. <laughs> yeah. uh, take it back. I like that Bruce theory. I think that's a really good one. I I've certainly been racking my brains because he's pretty much covered everybody else in Hulk mythology at this point, so I don't know who else it could be, but I think that's solid. I feel like it has to tie back to the Hulk in some way, and we're very much ending the end game. I think there's three or four issues left of this title in total, so it's going to be exciting to see what happens. I I did want to say I very much enjoyed the last page uh, with Hulk and uh, Scarecrow. I thought that was a really fantastic last page. It's a really good one shot. Next up, Ultra Mega number three from Image Comics from by James Harron. This book takes place in a world that has been taken over by Kaiju. It's a Kaiju post-apocalypse. We're following one character who may be able to stop them. Uh, very similar to Radiant Black. There's a big twist at the end here that I, I think I figured out how they're going to reverse, but... Again, we have a book that I think is taking some really big swings, and we certainly talked about some of the controversy around the first issue, and we decided to follow it anyway because we thought the art was good, we thought the story was interesting, we're curious to see where it goes. Um, I 
personally, and maybe there's something I'm missing, but I think by issue three, we are very far from where the story started, and you have a sense of why they did the things they did in the first issue. And I think those have been justified, at least in some way. If I'm wrong, would love to hear from the viewing audience, would love to hear from you guys, but uh, that's my take on it. I agree with you. The the um, the issues in in the first issue, it feels like that was like almost starting in the uh, the cliche that um, mm-hmm. I feel like people were criticizing. And then the second issue, we talked about uh, this last time, and this issue for sure are just like blasting past that into this uh, totally different world that is, I think, is beyond all of that uh, that other stuff. And we're seeing a, a really I really like the story and I really like the art is is great. I love the twist at the end. This feels like a story where no one's safe in a, in a good way. Mm-hmm. So I'm on board. Um, yeah, the, the, the story is really starting to kind of get, get different and enjoyable, uh, and especially in this uh, issue, except for maybe the grossest fart I've ever seen in a comic in this thing. Uh, that part kind of pulled me I out mean, a little bit. Rick Remender would have some words for you about the grossest fart in a comic book. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he could come up with something that uh, might be even grosser. But hmm. I did. I feel I like this is something I should chase uh, if there's like an award going up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I I'm enjoying where this comic is going now, and uh, uh, the art's uh, fantastic. Next up, Batman Fortnite zero point number three from DC Comics, written concept by Donald Mustard, written by Christos Gage, art by Riley Brown. We have I, I actually, uh, Justin. I don't know if you've been on the stack where we talked about issue one or two necessarily. I was there for issue one. I okay. missed issue two. I think. All right. Okay. I. It is wild to me how hard this comic book has been going. Just the first two issues, I think we loved because they were really digging so crazy deep about the Batman Catwoman relationship. Yep. This one blew my mind. Is probably too strong, but. I reading this book, I was like, holy shit, what are they doing here? This is it's just absolutely wild how hard they're going for it. And I I hesitate to spoil it, but I think they spoil it on the cover. The twist that they bring in is that Batman is in Fortnite world. He loses his memory every 22 minutes. He's trying to figure it out anyway because he's Batman. So they try to throw a wrench in the gears to stop him and slow him down. And the wrench is Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe, which is wild. Yeah! Uh, Weird. I, I I I was like... What? I lost I was, my fucking mind with this. It was like watching my childhood come back to life and fight each other. Also, one of the saddest episodes uh, in G.I. Joe is where sacri- Snake Eyes sa- sacrifices himself in this fucking mind. And they re- kind of recreated that in this issue. And, oh, man, I was having flashbacks. Uh, but this is fucking bananas. So good. So hard, like the, I love the fact that like the voice, the whoever's doing the kind of voiceover is so impressed with Batman. Uh, I yeah, this is such a weird but amazing comic. It this issue. Sorry to interrupt, Justin. The one thing that I'll say and then turn it over to you is versus the first two issues that felt like okay, you're going for the Batman Catwoman romance. This is DC meets Fortnite. I get this. Yep. This 
in the absolute best way, felt like playing with action figures. Yes! Where you're like, well, I got this yeah. Batman action figure. I got oh these God. random action figures I found on a box on the street that are just kind of there. Oh, I got the Snake Eyes action figure. I'm going to make them fight. That's yep. fun. Let's do that. And that's how it read to me. And I also liked how, like, when they were fighting, they were communicating, and, like, oh, it was just, it, it was, it's so fantastic. Do you think they'd be friends? Yes. No question. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay. <laughs> that was that was the only point you wanted to make. It sounds like you're not quite on board with this, Justin. No, I'm on board. I think it's cool. I actually really like the way that the um, the action was sort of. Why wouldn't they described. be friends? They're both fucking vigilantes trying to fucking fight for justice. Like, are you fucking kidding me? They've both been trained in the ways and the arts of the ninja. What what the fuck wouldn't they? Now, do you think that was Snake Eyes a gambler? Is that why he chose the name Snake Eyes, or it's more like he? He's like, played by. I've seen the movie. He's played by Nicolas Cage in the movie. Oh it's a very good. This very isn't Face Off, you asshole. Yeah. No, no, no. no Snake I Eyes. Think it's, it's the movie was called Leaving Snake Eyes. <laughs> right. Sad. Tragic. It's great. The way this played off, the way this uh, builds over the course of the issue, uh, I I don't want to spoil all the things or the way that it plays out, but it's ludicrously over-the-top action movie the entire time. Super fun. I wasn't allowed to watch G.I. Joe, so I don't understand the deep emotional arcs on this Saturday morning cartoon based around selling toys, but I'm sure they're there. <laughs> they're I'm fucking sure there, they're guy. All right. And the other thing, the last thing that I'll mention about this comic book, not to belabor talking about it, it's crazy to me that there are three more issues to go. Like, if they have done this <laughs> in the first three issues where they end up there, what is going to happen? I, I, I don't, yes. I don't know. Go. Let's Take do me it. There. I'm, I'm excited. Into it. Next up, Stillwater number seven from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon K. Perez. This is dealing with the ramifications of the last issue where a bunch of mercenaries came into this town where nobody dies. The church exploded. Some of our characters have been blown apart, and other people are literally trying to pick up the pieces. It gets very bloody, this issue. Like we talked about with previous ones, I love how they're whipping through the mythology here. Yeah, I agree. This The pace of this book has increased greatly um, in the, the last few issues, and I like where this is going. The reveal at the end is really fun, and it makes a lot more sense um, what, sort of what got us started, one of the characters that got this whole thing started, why um, they are important, and uh, the tension is high. I appreciate that. Yeah, and they also bring up an interesting point here, which is worth talking about. If you're going to have knives as decorative on your wall, you better fucking sharpen them. You never know mm-hmm. when they're going to come in handy like that. So I sharpen fucking... everything on my wall just in case. Smart. Paintings. Smart. Yeah. That's it. Some, just paintings. Yeah. That's all the stuff you have on your <laughs> just wall. Just sharpening edges of a painting. It's, mm-hmm. it's good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I sharpen my lamps. Um, mm-hmm. My house is is childproof, obviously, but everything above a child's <laughs> hand is deadly sharp. <laughs> uh, this book's very good, and Ramon Curie Perez's art is very good as well. Next Beautiful. up, this is one that I know you liked quite a bit, Justin Jonah and the Unpossible Monsters, number three from Oni Press by Chris Samney and Laura Samney. Why don't you talk about that one? Uh, this is fun. I mean, this is a book that, like, the first issue felt like sort of this light, uh, fun. Uh, it reminded me of a video game that I can't remember from, like, uh, old Sega, I want to say. Yeah. Um, uh, Were you talking and, about, like, and, Kid, Kid Icarus or something? No, no. Um, and then this, it, as it's gone on, this is really starting to develop some Yeah, nice it was like depth. dinosaur egg. It was like some, like, yeah, yes. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes, it's a dinosaur-based game. Yep. 
Uh, but I think it's really developing a nice mythology here, and we get into uh, we start to expand the universe in this in this issue. Yeah. Plus, I mean, the real you know focus here is on the art and not so much the talking, which is great. Um, I love the characters. We really in this issue kind of got a little bit more of like what's going on, what kind of world they're in, which is great. But I also just love them kind of like. Uh, you know, skipping through this amazing landscape and kind of dealing with things as they meet them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm a little nervous about, uh, you know, the getting too much plot and not just kind of enjoying it, but uh, it's fantastic. Next up, The Scumbag, number eight from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Alex Reichel. In this issue, our main sp- scumbag character is on the moon. He is fighting a moon cult who may or may not want to turn the world into a hippie peace love collective. Things go predictably wrong when our character is involved. Um, this title is good. It's very fun. It's enjoyable. Um Things get wild and gross at certain points, but I like that Rick is able to put a great deal of emotion in the main character at the same time. And that comes through this issue, the way that Alex Reigel draws him in particular, where it's very subtle, the points when you can see his true humanity starting to leak through his scumbag nature. Yeah, I mean, Rick Remender does such a great job of being like, this guy sucks. Uh, but it's a great little trick he pulls every time where eventually they do come out and be the hero that that the world needs them to be. And the creative fun twists that he puts on it each time are are excellent. And here's just another example of that. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking looking forward to us getting past the uh, scumbag nature of it all a little bit, but I think that... I got some news for you. Yeah, bad news. Just look at the title. Right, but I mean, I'm hoping that the character does evolve. Um, But I'm excited to see, like, at the end of this issue, we kind of have a big thing happen. I'm excited to see what the ramifications of that are moving forward. Last but not least, The Many Deaths of Layla Star, number two from Boom Studios, written by Ram V, art by Felipe Andrade. Love the first issue of this book about death finding out that she is out of a job. So going to kill the baby who is eventually going to grant immortality to the human race. This issue, she wakes up a couple of years later in a human body and accidentally encounters that kid who is later going to create immortality. Beautiful art, beautiful story. Love this book. This is the read of the week. Yeah, I think this was this was my favorite book of the week. It was so good, just achieving such great storytelling depth almost instantly. The art is excellent. Like it's just uh, this feels like an issue of Sandman mid run. Mm. It could it could be there. It's great. That's a good way of putting it. Actually, it does really feel like one of those one off. Sandman issues, but as yeah. an ongoing series, I like sort that. of like a World's End uh, mm-hmm. tavern from the or I want to say early fifties of the oh, Sandman yeah. run. Um, this could easily be that. Um, I I'll also before Justin stole the fact that I said this was my favorite of the week. Uh, I said it's I, the pick of the week. I did not take any sort of credit for it. It's our pick. Pete, obviously, our tastes are always in line. Um, <laughs> uh, so how could you ever try to draw put a line draw a wedge between us? 
Okay, all that, all your, you know, bullshit aside, I do think that this is a beautiful, heartbreaking comic in all the right ways, like setting up such a cool, powerful story. Um, Yeah, just the, and there's such amazing, small, little, powerful moments throughout this whole thing, like the whole thing of like, what this kid is going through and then how the person like sees that and discovers it all. And then like even the silly stuff of like the bird being like, I've never met a talking human before was hysterical. There's so many just fantastic moments and the, and I just can't say enough about the art, Uh, especially the funeral stuff with all the flowers is so beautiful and sad. Uh, Yeah. I really, really uh, love this book. And even if you, uh, disagree with Justin a lot and don't like his ideas, you should still check out this book because, you know, it's tough when, like, somebody you don't normally align with likes something you like, then you start to question it a little bit. But, uh, you know, put that aside and really check out this book. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with that shit. It's like the you the guys game? are the Batman and Snake Eyes of this podcast. Oh, come yes. on. Yes, who's who? I guess I'm Snake Eyes, really, right? <laughs> no. No, I'm Snake Okay, I'm Batman. What? <laughs> I yeah, can't believe, Pete, you're like, no, I would never want to be Batman. Well, no I, you know, I've got uh, daddy issues, but I don't think they're that bad. You know what I mean? You also, definitely have I t- butler issues. Well, <laughs> I, I feel like I talk less than Justin, so I should be Snake Eyes. Yeah. Uh, nice. That is the defining characteristic of those two people. Um, Batman chatty, Snake Eyes Nervous uh, in front of a crowd. Um, what's the name of the game? Adventure. Snake Eyes doesn't talk. You fucking piece of shit. I mean, he talks. He just doesn't talk on camera. Oh, okay, right. He got asked to do that TED talk. Did you see that? I watched that on YouTube. It was awkward. Uh, now I gotta look up this fucking game. Sorry. Is what it Adventure you Island? Is that what it is? Uh, wait, wait. Hey, tell you what. While you yes, look that yes, up, it is. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah. There we yeah. go. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books. Oh iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. <laughs> See you on Adventure Island. <laughs>